Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And here on the Seeing Red Podcast, we want to wish all of our listeners a very happy and healthy new year, a happy and healthy 2020. Unfortunately, though, the Red Storm could not ring in the new year on a positive note as they lose a heartbreaker in the final minute to Butler, 60-58. to They fall at home in Karnasek Arena to the number 11th ranked Butler Bulldogs in their Big East opener on New Year's Eve. The Red Storm were without without Mustafa Heron in this game. He did not return from his ankle injury. They were without LJ Figueroa for a big part of this game, not due to injury, but due to foul trouble. LJ picked up three fouls in the first half and then had his fourth foul uh, early in the second half. So he only played 14 minutes and did not score in this game. And while the Red Storm did only end up losing by two despite getting zero combined points out of their two best players, they did fall behind 37-16 to in the first half and trailed 43-19 to in the second half. Early in the second half, however, the Red Storm went on a 19-0 run in this game, held Butler scoreless for over nine minutes, and turned, I think, a 46-29 to deficit into a into a 48-46 lead with about six minutes to go. They took the lead, but Butler battled back. Butler has an all-biggies player in Kamar Baldwin. He hit some tough shots. The Red Storm still, though, were able to take a five-point lead in this game with three minutes to go, 58-53, after Rasheem Dunn hit a driving layup. But in those final three minutes, St. John's would not score. They go scoreless in the final three minutes of this game. They allow Butler to end the game on a 7-0 run, and the backbreaker, obviously, is the uh, go-ahead three-pointer from Christian David in the corner on a nice pass from Baldwin to give Butler the 68-58 lead in the final minute of that game. And then, obviously, some some bad offensive possessions for the Red Storm down the stretch. Rasheem Dunn, who played a very good game, uh, made some questionable decisions there. LJ Figueroa re-enters the game uh, and ends up actually missing what would have been the game-winning three-pointer at the buzzer. Uh, for the Red Storm, but they do lose 60-58. to 58. Tough to really to get a good uh, vibe of how I want to feel about this game. I, I was almost just confused at the end of this game on how to feel. Um, you know, when you look at it uh, on a positive spin, and I, I'll give this the positive spin, you know, the Red Storm in this game got zero points. I mentioned it before. Zero points from Mustafa Heron and LJ Figueroa. Those two guys played a combined 14 minutes in this game, and at the end of the day, they only lost by two points on a, on a, on a field goal in the last minute to the number 11 team in the country, and a team that looks like they're going to be one of the better teams in the Big East this year. I think they're ranked third in the net rankings, too, if you put any stock into that. So at the end of the day, they only lost by two. They were able to fight back against a team like Butler when they trailed by 23 points in the second half. They were able to fight back in this game. They showed no quit in this game. How many times have we seen, and I, and I hate to always go back 
to the previous two regimes. But how many times under the Chris Mullen era and the Steve Lavin era did we see the Red Storm fall behind 15, 20 points and just lay down and take it and then lose by, by, by 15, 20, somewhere in that you know, how many times last year did we see that uh, with the Red Storm games against like Providence and even the Butler game, although they fought back a little bit in that game, the Duke game. How many times did we see that with the Red Storm uh, uh, last season even? So, so times they are definitely changing under Mike Anderson. And it seems like Mike Anderson's teams don't know how to, to don't know the word quit. They don't have quit in their vocabulary. And we saw that uh, tonight. The Red Storm rode the hot hands here. They did not have LJ Figueroa. It was mainly guys like Nick Rutherford, who was the MVP of this game, and David Carraher, who he hit a couple shots, and um, and Dam- Damian Sears, and Marcellus Erlington, and Greg Williams Jr., who had probably his best game of the season, and Rasheem Dunn, who had a great game. So... The Red Storm rode the hot hands in this game, and they fought back, and they went on a 19-0 run at home against the, against this Butler team, and they held them scores, like I said, for nine minutes in this game. So anytime you do that is great. You just wish they wouldn't have dug the big hole for them. But at the end of the day, it's only a two-point loss. It's a game that they, they showed a lot in losing this game, I think is what we're going to take out of this, is that they showed a lot in losing this game, obviously, that they... They fought back from adversity. They dealt with some adversity, and they they got punched in the face. They fell down for a little bit, but they got back up, and they threw a pretty mean uh, counterpunch in this game and just ended up losing it in the final minute. You wish they would have been able to close it out, but I, I take a lot of positives out of that, that they were able to fight back so much, not only to fight back to make it a game, but to fight back and take the lead and really be in a position where they should have won this game down the stretch. You know, and, and I saw some some good tweets, and I, I wish I remember who tweeted them. I saw one person say, you know, if if you would have said, and at halftime of that game that St. John's was going to be in a position where they could blow that game, where you could feel like they blew that game, you would have signed up right uh, signed right up for it. Also, if you would have told me three months ago that I'm going to be in a position where St. John's is opening Big East play against the number 11 team in the country and I'm angry at a two-point loss and I'm angry at a two-point loss because it hurts their NCAA tournament resume maybe, I would have told you you're crazy. So when you when you zoom out a little bit and you look at the macro perspective of this I don't think it's that bad of a loss. I, I, I don't do moral victories. I've, I've seen a lot of people going back and forth about moral victories. I don't do moral victories, but in this case, I'm willing to kind of make this one a moral victory. But I've seen enough moral victories over the years with St. John's. I've seen enough games where they fought hard and they've played hard for you know 40 minutes and they've came out and they've hung with some of the better teams in the country ultimately to lose at the end and then say, all right, well, we played hard. That's a moral victory. I'm done with those. If this team wants to make the tournament, if this team wants to be a team that stuns everyone, including all of its fans, and makes the tournament, they got to stop getting, they they can't have any moral victories anymore. No more of those. There needs to be wins. You know, how many times two years ago, and, I, and I'm not going to compare these two situations at all, but how many times two years ago in that 11-game losing streak do we have moral victories? Did we have games that we were there for the entire game, you know, playing hard with like Villanova and Xavier who were, who were ranked highly that year, ultimately to lose at the end and then say, well, we played hard at least. It's, it's a tough loss. You know, that led to an 11-game losing streak that year. So hopefully that's not the case this year. Hopefully the Red Storm uh, pick up some wins in these games. And they already have two. 
So we'll see because this game kind of felt a lot like the uh, Virginia West Virginia game and the Arizona game in that they built up or not that they built up a lead, but they had a lead late in this game and then just tried to kind of hold on for dear life. And this time, obviously, uh, they weren't able to. Now, the negative obviously is, like I said, you you know, you have you don't have any moral victories in, in, in this sport. You know, it, a moral victory is still a loss and it still goes down as 0-1 for the Red Storm and it still gives them their third loss of the season. Um, you had a five-point lead, a 58-53 lead with with uh, three minutes to go, and you weren't able to close it out. That would have been an awesome game to win, obviously, if you were able to close it out and you weren't. So that's that's the biggest uh, disappointing thing for me, at least, is that they weren't able to close it out. But at the end of the day, I'm kind of willing to excuse that. And also, you know, on the negative side, falling behind 37-16 to 16 in the first half. And obviously, a big part of that was just the shots weren't falling to be honest. I mean, you only score 16 points in the in a half. You're obviously not going to make a whole lot of shots. And that was kind of the case here, I felt like. A lot of the shots just weren't falling, but still, you can't dig that big of a hole for yourself and expect to come back. That's why this win would have been so incredible because they were down so big, really, from the from the jump, at least, for the final, you know, after the first 10 minutes or so, they were just getting dominated. So, you can't dig that big of a hole for yourself. Uh, LJ Figueroa, gotta be a little bit smarter. Some of those fouls were a little ticky-tacky on him, but at the the day you got to be a little bit smarter you cannot pick up three fouls in the first half especially when Mustafa Heron is out you, they're going to be relying on you a lot to uh to make up to make some plays in this game and obviously he was unable to he went 0 for 0 4 uh from the field in this game we kind of saw him do the same thing in the West Virginia game where he picked up a lot of fouls early and then wasn't able to uh, to be available for them down the stretch of that game but he, he did return obviously but at the end of the day it is a loss and it's it's a it's a tough loss to swallow, but hopefully now they're able to build off of this. And and you know we as a fan base should be very very happy that they fought so hard in this game to come back. There, there's nothing to hang your hat on for this game if you're if you're if you're St. John's. You know keep your head up high. You fought hard, but now the test really began because now you have a tough game on the road against Xavier. And then you have another tough game only two days or three days later on the road against Georgetown. So two tough road games, two games that'll be very, very evenly matched. But if you were able to, to make this type of a comeback against the number 11 team in the country in Butler, you would think you're able to win at least one of those two games on the road. And that that's all I'm asking for here is get one of those two wins, uh, either against Xavier or against Georgetown, and be one and two, and then try to beat DePaul and beat Providence and be three and two, and then you go into a home game with Seton Hall uh, about three weeks from now uh, over the weekend, and you can be three and two in the conference. So that's that's how I feel about this. Just just you can't let it snowball now. You know you you've got a you've got a uh, a tough win. You can't let it, or a tough loss. You can't let it snowball into another one though. So we'll, we'll see though how how they react, and that's that's really going to be the interesting thing of this weekend now is seeing how this team reacts after after suffering really their toughest loss of the season so far. Okay, so now we're going to kick it to our interview for the show. We are joined. We're going to be joined in a moment by Jaden Daly, who is a broadcaster and sports writer, and he is the founder of Daily Dose of Hoops. I'm sure you've seen them tweeting out during uh, St. John's basketball game, so we will have Jaden on to uh, talk a little bit about the St. John's loss against Butler on Tuesday night. So hope you guys enjoy. All right, I'm now joined by Jaden Daly, sports writer, broadcaster, and most notably, the founder of Daily Dose of Hoops. 
covering college hoops in the New York and metropolitan area. Jaden, thank you for coming on today. My pleasure, Troy. Thanks for having me. Well, first, I want to give you a, uh, a chance to to plug the, the website and everything. So tell everyone, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this is, is well aware of your website, but uh, but let, let everyone know about uh, what you guys are all about over there. Absolutely. For those who don't know Daily Dose Hoops, we're pretty active on Twitter and, and social media as well. Just pop us into Google Daily, like my last name, D-A-L-Y, Dose Hoops. And we cover not just St. John's, we cover pretty much everything around the area, St. John's, Seton Hall, Iona, Manhattan, Hofstra, Stony Brook, pretty much anything that has a pulse and a basketball within the area. We have some kind of coverage on it at one point or another throughout the season. We've covered Rutgers a little more this year as well, and we've been active for over 10 years now, so hopefully we can get a little more coverage and a little more media headed your way if you're looking for some more attention. Yeah, absolutely. You got you guys were one of the uh, one of the first like blogs that I found about uh, about St. John's when I first became a fan about a decade ago. So kind of always remember you guys. Um, the the vibe and the, and the the focus for you guys was on Tuesday night at least was uh, maybe maybe on the New Year's festivities, but also was in Carnesecca Arena in Queens, where uh, St. John's took on the number eleven Butler Bulldogs. They lose this game sixty to fifty eight, but they battle back from a twenty four point deficit in the second half. But on the same hand, they blow a five-point lead with uh, three minutes to go. So, I mean, I've seen people going back and forth about this. Where do you fall on this? Do you look at the positives that they were able to make this comeback and not only make it a game, but take control of this game? Or do you kind of focus on the negatives and say, this was an opportunity for another quad one win, another win over a ranked team, and they had a chance to close it out in the last three minutes and they couldn't do it? Are you kind of glass half full or glass half empty? think there is a negative to destroy. Yes, they lost by two points, St. John's did against a Butler team that was ranked 10th in the coaches' poll. So you take the top 10 team in a wire like that, and then the, the manner in which St. John's came back, this is a team that was down by 23 with 18 minutes to go in regulation, and then went on a 29-4 to run to take the lead, and then stretched it out to as, as much as five with three minutes to play before Butler ended it on a 7-0 run. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a positive for Mike Anderson's team. This is a group, Troy, that was down Mustafa Heron. LJ Figueroa was in foul trouble. He picked his fourth foul right around the first media timeout in the second half, so he really didn't play that much mm-hmm. in the second half because he got picked. He got called for a charge for his fourth foul, so Mike Anderson had to improvise and go to his bench, and his bench stepped up. So really, at, at the end of the day, Troy, you look at this game, it's definitely a positive because, you know, through the first half and even early into the second half, St. John's is down 23, and you don't think anything's going anything's to come out of it. Then Nick Rutherford sparks the offense on defense, makes something out of nothing, and one, one at a time, all of a sudden, St. John's is right back in this game. And that's been a microcosm of this season. This team's been in every game. Mm-hmm. The three losses that this team has had to Arizona State, to Vermont, and to Butler were all single-digit losses, games that St. John's was in, games that St. John's led, and games that St. John's, with a little more experience, could have probably pulled out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that in, in all my years watching this team, this is probably the best that I felt after kind of a heartbreaking loss, you know, like because it, it's encouraging to show that kind of a fight. I said in my open, you know, th- this team doesn't seem to know the word quit, you know, down by 20, down by 23 that that in the second half, really, they could have just laid down and, and kind of accepted this loss for what it was. And they fought back, you know, and, and like you said, it was mostly the, the bench doing this comeback, you know. 
And the second half defines the difference between St. John's today on January 2nd and St. John's 10 months ago in March. Mm-hmm. You would not see a Chris Mullen team fight back from down 23, no disrespect to Mullen. Mm-hmm. This team has embodied Mike Anderson's style, his mentality, the 40 minutes of Hell Mantra, and they have not given an inch in any game that they've played so far, 14 in. I'm interested to see how they respond on Sunday at Xavier. That's a hostile road environment. Mm-hmm. And remember what happened last year. Figueroa and Herring were here for this, as were some of the role players like Josh Roberts, Brett Williams, even though they didn't play much. After the deflating loss to Seton Hall in the Big East opener on Saturday night at the Prudential Center last year, where Shavar Reynolds hit the three at the buzzer mm-hmm. and Michael Stevens made the inadvertent <laughs> timing error, yep. St. John's came back, took on a Marquette team ranked 16th in the country, and beat them by 20. So I'm interested to see how they respond Sunday. It's going to be a different mindset. They went from a road game to a home game now. It's the other way around. They're going from a home loss to Cincinnati in one of the more difficult road environments. So I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how they respond. Absolutely, yeah. And we do have to look at some of the, the negative with, with this game as well. Um, falling behind by 21 at the half, trailing by 23 in the second half. Um, what do you think went wrong there? I mean, j- just from watching on, on TV, it just seemed like they were just missing shots. Like, w- was there anything else that you saw that went wrong for the, for the first half and into the second half? It, it was just not being able to buy a basket. I, I don't think mm-hmm. St. John's had its full confidence about them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that had to do with Figueroa picking up 3,000 in the first half. I believe Rutherford picked up two or something. Somebody else had 2,000 first half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was Rutherford or maybe Julian. It wasn't Julian. Schick I think it was Rutherford, it yeah. It had to have been Rutherford mm-hmm. because I remember when he picked up his third early in the second yeah. half. Mm-hmm. But either way, it was really just not being able to hit a shot. And then Butler finding its way inside and dominating St. John's inside. You looked at the rebound numbers. It was 47 to 24. Yeah. You're not going to win many games getting out-rebounded by 23, so only lose by two. And then to take the lead the way St. John's did, that says something in itself as well. And then Kamar Baldwin, who, if you followed our site, you'd know had never won in Carnesecca Arena. Mm-hmm. Will Butler to victory, and he was, have, he was getting anything he wanted in the first half, Troy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he carried them late as well. Is the... Are the shooting woes like a legitimate concern for you? Because, because I mean, in, even in the Arizona win, the West Virginia win, they didn't shoot all that great, especially from three-point range. You know, they don't really seem to have that knockdown shooter. Even Figueroa has struggled a little bit. Is that like a legitimate concern for you? I don't think so. Not yet. It's, it's still mm-hmm. something that you can chalk up to youth and relative inexperience. It'll be more of a concern to me next month when St. John's has half of its conference schedule under its belt. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, if they're still not shooting well after Seton Hall, after Villanova, then we can talk about how much of a concern the, the inconsistent shooting is. But for now, you got to take the good with the bad. You got to take it for what it is. And I think to be eleven and three and get what you've received so far, I think that outweighs any kind of shooting concerns, especially given the resume of this team right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And 
three guys who really spearheaded that comeback, in my opinion at least, were, were Nick Rutherford, who I thought was the MVP of this game, uh, Rasheem Dunn and Greg Williams Jr. Those three combined for 12 steals and nine assists on, on their own. Um, I thought Williams really played his best game of the year. Um, how encouraging is that for St. John's that, that really all three of their guards now and their point guards are played like this against, like you said, one of the better teams in the country? It's definitely encouraging, and it's something that you hang your head on if you're St. John's, if you're a fan, if you're a coach, that to get what you've picked up from these guards. Red Williams is getting better every game. Mm-hmm. We saw from him what we've seen in Roberts and Champagny, and the confidence is just trickling down Marcellus Arlington, too. Yep. Rasheem Dunn has given St. John's an irreplaceable spark off the bench since he's been eligible against Vermont. That was a month and a half ago, almost two months ago. Mm-hmm. He's given St. John's a spark that nobody else has been able to provide in that capacity. And Nick Rutherford, this is what St. John signed up for when he committed from Monmouth. He was a top five defender in the MAC mm-hmm. from a point guard spot, leading Monmouth in steals and being one of the steals leaders in the MAC, holding his own against the likes of Ricky McGill and Stevie Jordan and Jalen Pickett, mm-hmm. three point guards that were all conference last season in the MAC. This, this is par for the course of Rutherford. He finally had a game in which he was able to show what he could do on the offensive and defensive end, six steals and four of them coming in that 29-4 to run that gave St. John's the lead. Mm-hmm. You said he was the game MVP. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that getting... I mean, Rutherford, I think, is there already as their best defender and, and, and is really can't come into his own. And I think getting Williams to that level is going to be really, really huge for them. And you're, like you said, you're kind of seeing him build that confidence, especially late in that Arizona game. He made that big defensive play. So you're kind of seeing him build that confidence, you know, if that maybe wasn't there at the start of the year. Absolutely. And it, it can only help next season where you're going to get depth at the point guard spot with John McGriff, the freshman that mm-hmm. was a late signee and had to redshirt due to an injury, and then Posh Alexander, the signee that's going to be eligible next year. Yep. You'll have three capable point guards that are proven and can really give this team what it needs defensively. Williams is only going to lead the charge there as a junior, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if he started early on. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, looking at, at back at this year, LJ Figueroa, uh, picks up those early fouls as you mentioned. Picked up the fourth foul very early in the in the second half as well. Mike Anderson leaves him out really until the final play of the game. Um, kind of, I guess, kind of the first like controversial move that he's made as as head coach. Some were saying he should have put him back in earlier. I feel like they were on that run with the group that they had on the court, and that's what Anderson said after the game. You know, they were making that run with the five that were out there. He didn't want to ruin that rhythm, and obviously it worked out for him. Um, do you agree with that? And do you agree with putting him? back in on that final play or do you just kind of roll with what you've got where do you kind of fall on that I can't say that I blame Mike Anderson Mm -hmm. and that was that was a a point of contention after the game where people had asked me what happened there and Zach Brazillo who does a great job covering St. John's New York Post asked after the game why Figueroa wasn't in there why Ian Steer the transfer from Mm -hmm. NC State wasn't in there Mm -hmm. and Mike Anderson wanted to ride the hot hands I, I can't say that I blame him there you don't want to roll the dice too early on a guy with four fouls I wouldn't have brought him back until after the four minute media timeout and even then St. John's was on a roll with what it had on yeah. the floor I, I agree with what happened there I had no problem putting him in for the last possession I thought he would have 
I think what he should have done is driven the baseline and tried to draw the foul. That way, mm-hmm. St. John's would have had another five, six, seven seconds to try to try to do something again, even even if the first time was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. But Rasheem Dunn couldn't find the lane and then lost control. Figueroa had to put up the heave at the buzzer for the win that didn't even come close, but it happens. Yeah, I, in that last play, I, I kind of would have liked to see them either do like you said or, or or set up a three for LJ, maybe get him, get him, try to get him open off a screen or something. You know, I, I, I was almost fine like holding the ball there for the last shot, I guess. I know that's not the conventional thing that you would do, but I would have liked to see them maybe try to get LJ or even Rasheem done an open look for three for the win. That was just my opinion. Yeah, I, I get that. I understand that. But down two, you want to try I, to tie. I say play, mm-hmm. play for the tie. Mm-hmm. You got the crowd and the momentum on your side going in overtime. Mm-hmm. So it's a higher a higher percentage chance of winning the game. You, you don't need to take a three in that spot. I, I was content with going inside for a high percentage two and then mm-hmm. taking your chances over five minutes. No, that's fair. Absolutely. Um. So they but they do lose this game. Obviously, now coming up, like you mentioned, Xavier tough game on the road this Sunday and then only a few days later they go to Georgetown which aside from last year has kind of been a house of horrors for this team in uh, in recent seasons you got to think they at least have to get a split out of these next two right and it's, it's not crazy to think they could do that correct no question I think Georgetown is probably the easier of the two yeah mm-hmm. given that Akin Joe and LeBlanc are no longer on the team that Mac McClung may be injured he missed Providence game Tuesday night and mm-hmm. Georgetown Georgetown could have used him I'll tell you that much yeah. <laughs> so it was a 30 point game at halftime that ended up being his 16 point final so uh-huh. Georgetown I think is the more gettable to use that terminology game for St. John's not to say that Xavier isn't but the Red Storm is going to have its hands full inside with Tyreek Jones and Najee Marshall mm-hmm. I do think that's the key to the game there is going to be taking what it could get inside and not relying too much on the three. Try to match Xavier shot for shot inside and then go from there. Absolutely, yeah. and I, and I think it's, I think they can get one of those two at least. Um, last question for you. You know, we've seen now one uh, after last night when Marquette played Creighton. We've seen. Uh, every every team in the conference play at least one game. You don't want to you know put too much stock in just one game, obviously. But after after this, you know, where do you see kind of St. John's fitting into the conference? Has it changed at all? I mean, maybe maybe you know Georgetown might be a little worse than we thought. Marquette certainly didn't look good last night. Where do you, where do you see St. John's kind of fitting in right now? I said at the start of the year, Troy, that seven, eight, nine wins was doable, and I'm still, I'm still in that, mm-hmm. in that group right there. I'm still on that bandwagon, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I do think that this team could get to 500 in Big East play. After the two road games, they have a very winnable home game at the Garden against Paul. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you could go to two and two, I'm not sure who's in between the Paul and Seton Paul on the 18th. If I, there is a game in between, I think it's Providence actually. So that's a winnable game too. Yeah. Providence on, Providence on the road so that that could go either way yeah, mm-hmm. Providence has been shaky so far this year and that really surprised me mm-hmm. but overall I think if you're St. John's you're looking at a way to go 3-2 and two, welcoming Seton Hall to the Garden on the 18th I think that's a game that will determine for better or worse how this team ends up yeah absolutely there, there's a couple of games I think coming up that are that are those kind of swing games that like you mentioned could take them from that you know seven win mark to that eight or nine win mark and I think Seton Hall is definitely going to be one of them absolutely you got you got to be if you're Anderson you got to be looking at three and two going into that game yep if mm-hmm. 
if you're not, if you're anything less, then it becomes a must win. And then if you lose that game, you got to save your season from rolling off the rails. So that one's very pivotal. And if St. John's can get in there at three and two, the future's right from there. Absolutely. Well, Jaden, great job, man. I really appreciate you coming on on kind of a short notice. Really happy to have you as a as a hopefully a regular contributor to this show now because you do a great job. Anytime, Troy. Thank you so much. All right. Well, have a happy rest of your uh, or happy New Year, I guess, even though it's the, the second now. But uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week, man. <laughs> Thank you, brother. You too. All right. See. You, talk soon. All right. Thank you once again to Jaden Daly of Daily Dose of Hoops. You can check them out on Twitter, Daily Dose of Hoops. That's Daily D-A-L-Y on Twitter. They do a great job covering St. John's. They do a great job covering really all of the local schools. Like like, uh, Jaden said, if if the teams have a pulse, they're going to be covering them. And they do a really cool job. And they do a great job with with the Red Storm as well. And thank you for him for uh, coming on there for a couple minutes and breaking down the loss against Butler on Tuesday night. Uh, looking ahead to the next week of this show, be on the lookout if you follow me on Twitter. We'll probably do another uh, post-game periscope on on uh, Sunday after the Xavier game. I've uh, I think I've done two or three of those so far. They're they're pretty cool. Do like an audio only thing so you can listen live right after the or yeah about right after the game. I'll probably do one and uh, it'll be on replay obviously after that as well. So I did one I think after the Arizona game it actually did pretty well. So um, so we'll be doing that. I think for most weekend games I'm going to try to do do periscopes after them just like 10 minutes quick hitters and then uh we'll probably have a show next wednesday night as well after the georgetown game and um that's that st john's really in my opinion needs to get one of these two if not both i I, both are winnable games you know xavier they dropped their biggies over to uh to villanova they're they're a beatable team and then i think georgetown though is definitely as as jade mentioned georgetown is the more uh, gettable of these two games, you know, with two of their best players no longer on the team, with Mac McClung potentially injured with that eye injury. Um, so, so Georgetown is definitely the more winnable of the two. But you know, no reason to think, like I said in my open, no reason to think that they cannot get uh, at least one, if not both, of these games, just based on how they've been playing recently and how they made that comeback against Butler as well. So, well, we'll see how they perform though. It's it's really a critical week coming up for St. John's, probably the most critical week of the of the season for Mike Anderson in his young tenure, but definitely a lot to be uh, excited about for the Red Storm going forward. But thank you all for listening to the show. Thank you again to Jaden Daly for coming on there. And uh, we will talk talk on Sunday and then talk again on this podcast next week. Thanks, everyone, and let's go, Johnnies.